Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's segment, we wanted to continue our discussion on the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. This is part three. In Titus 1 and 9, Paul writes, Holding fast the faithful words, which is in accordance with the teachings, so that he will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Again, holding fast to the faithful words, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. And in First Peter, Peter writes, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, that ye may be able to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you, doing it with gentleness and respect. It is clear through scripture that God will allow us to be in situations whereby we have to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. Why do we do the things that we do? We as Christians may be, must be able to articulate, must be able to explain, and must be able to defend the tenets of the faith. Why do you do the things you do in terms of sacrifices for Jesus Christ? Perhaps your neighbor wants to know why you often pray about situations. Perhaps your coworker may want to know why do you not go off and lose your temper? Why is it that you always seem to have words of wisdom? And we as Christians ought to be able to give a Bible based response to these questions. Does God really say that there is life after death. People want to know, are we ready to answer these questions? What is the difference between the soul and the spirit? People want to know if the Bible can address their issues. So as believers, there are doctrines that we must know so that we can adjust our lives and allow God to transform us by the renewing of our mind. And at the same time, as God is changing and working, working on us, that serves as a testimony to those that are around us. So it's imperative, again, that we learn the doctrines. And what are doctrines? Doctrines are teachings of the Bible. But more importantly, the Bible 
has this theme of sound doctrine. And that word sound is who gaze. It's the same word that's often used when there's healing taking place. So if we take who gaze and add it to doctrine, what the writer is actually saying is that these teachings, these instructions, these verses are not just regular teachings, but they are teachings that bring about healing. If who gaze means to heal, then sound doctrine is basically teachings that heal, teachings that can repair, teachings that can reinvigorate uh, something that's been broken, something that's been decimated. God's word can revive. God's word quickens. It makes, it makes things alive. So these teachings are for our benefit. This is why it's important that we know these doctrines and we know it based on what the scripture is teaching versus what our own philosophies may be saying versus what our own experiences may be saying. We must practice hermeneutics, which is the science and art of biblical interpretation. We must learn to be able to decipher and not just decipher, but interpret the scriptures correctly based on what the author's message is to the initial audience. And from that, we must be able to ascertain the prescriptive message that's for all Christians. So again, we wanted to continue our discussion on the doctrine of Trinity. And this doctrine is important because God has revealed himself in a unique way. And he's not asking us to try to figure out his ontology. He's not asking us to psychoanalyze his essence, his nature. But what he is asking of us is that we accept what we read in scripture and those things that can be apprehended is for our benefit. But there are other things that cannot be apprehended. So that must be punted to faith. And there are just some things in terms of uh, not just scripture, but in terms of life that are called mysteries that we have no knowledge of. And that part, that realm, that the, the mysterious part belongs to God alone. Mysteries are, it, it, are knowledge or is knowledge that belong to God alone because he's an infinite God. And there are just some things we will never understand on this side of heaven. So in our previous broadcast, we introduced this doctrine of the Trinity. And what we said is the doctrine of the Trinity is not uh, borrowed from pagan traditions like some groups accuse us of. The doctrine of the Trinity is not uh, a doctrine that was fabricated by the early Christians, this Trinitarian doctrine is evident from the Old Testament to the New Testament. 
both testaments reveal certain facts about our God that any reader, any Bible student would sooner or later stumble upon. So here are the facts. The fact is, Scripture tells us there is one God. And we talked about this, that uh, the Bible is replete and is exhausted with scriptures that reveal that God is one. And then we find words that reveal God uh, in a pluralistic sense, not that there's plural gods. We are not advocating polytheism, but what we are saying is, uh, for example, Genesis one twenty six, where God says, let us make man in our image. So, again, uh, the scripture reveals to us, even from Genesis chapter one, that God is revealing himself in a pluralistic sense. Then even uh, at the Tower of Babel narrative where God says, uh, behold, the people uh, have become like us. So there's another uh, instance of God revealing himself in a pluralistic sense. We even talk about Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at, thy, uh, at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. So once again, we see uh, a distinction in the Godhead. So there's one God. We can agree on that, that there's one God. But yet God has revealed himself in three persons. There's God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. All three are co-equal. All three uh, are co-powerful. All three are co-eternal. The father is not the son. The son is not the father. Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. So there's a distinction in the Godhead, but this distinction should never be blurred. This distinction should never be confused. It, it, it should never be misunderstood that uh, this, this uh, distinction has to be uh, articulated and not presented in a way that makes it anti-biblical. So we talked about uh, those in the early church who misunderstood this doctrine and basically had uh, God playing musical chairs. So there were those like Sibelius who preached modalism. And that term mod uh, um, modalism is important because what Sibelius was preaching was different modes of God. So in essence, he was saying God the Father became God the Son, and God the Son then became uh, God the Holy Spirit. And that is a heretical doctrine. We find evidence, even uh, during the baptism of Jesus, where all three were present. So there's no way that you can uh, say that the father became the son and the son became the Holy Spirit because uh, one of the passage, as I just stated in the baptism of Jesus, reveals all three of them present at one time. So this doctrine 
is uh, very important in terms of our Christian heritage and in terms of biblical accuracy. Are you able to articulate this doctrine of the Trinity if someone asks you? Are you able to give a response when someone challenges you and say that this doctrine was born from paganism? We talked about in the early episodes how uh, this doctrine had been identified by the second, third, fourth century church. Even uh, as soon as the apostles were off the scene, they were preaching this doctrine. So whether or not you call it the Trinity, whether or not you call it the three in oneness, whatever title you decide to use, just make sure that you are able to articulate this doctrine accurately. So the Trinitarian doctrine is one that's been a part of our heritage, our Christian heritage uh, since the beginning. We talked about this distinction in the Godhead. There, there's a real, uh, uh, there's a relational uh, fellowship going on within the Godhead. There's a relationship which is evident between the Father and Jesus. We can read John 17 for that. Both the Father and the Son are in concert when sent in the Spirit, meaning that they are working together in the uh, in, in uh, sending. Uh, God the Spirit and God the Spirit is in conjunction with this uh, ministry as he goes forth and uh, deals with the creation. John 15 and 26. We talked about the uh, Trinitarian passages that we find in Scripture. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in this passage, the apostles could take uh, solace in the fact that uh, God was with them. But yet there is a revelation that there is God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who work all things and all persons. First Corinthians chapter 12 verses four through six. So once again, we see uh, the Trinitarian uh, method being used. And this is not by accident. It was purposeful. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest, the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, Romans 15 and 16. And once again, we find uh, the three persons of the Trinity being identified. So one of the great things about this doctrine of the Trinity um Again, I, I confess that it is a mystery, but we should be able to articulate what God has revealed to us and leave it at that. Let's not add anything to it. Let's not subtract anything from it, but confess that it's a mystery, but be able to articulate the fact that as Christians, it, it's evident through the scriptures that we gave in the previous uh, episodes that there's one God. 
not multiple gods. There's one God who's revealed himself in three persons. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. All three are distinct. All three are co-equal. All three are co-eternal. And they uh, are within the Godhead. So uh, one God, one essence, who's revealed himself in three persons. There's a creed that was written in the fifth century. uh, And it really buttress the point that we're trying to make on this episode. It captures the essence and the ontology of God. And I wanted to share this creed so that we may understand that this doctrine, the Trinity has been with us in terms of um, us articulating it and and presenting in a way that others could find it. It's, it. it's been with us for a very long time as part of our Christian heritage. So this creed was written between 400 to 500 AD and it's called the Athanasian Creed. And it read as follows that we worship one God in Trinity and in Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father, uncreated, the Son, uncreated, and the Holy Spirit, uncreated. The Father, incomprehensible, the Son, incomprehensible, and the Holy Spirit, incomprehensible. The Father, eternal, the Son, eternal, and the Holy Spirit, eternal. And yet, there are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensible, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, and the Holy Spirit almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet they are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son, Lord, and the Holy Spirit, Lord. And yet they are not three lords, but one Lord. And once again, this is an excerpt from the Athanasian Creed, uh, which was written between A.D. 400 to A.D. 500. So accurately captures the doctrine of the Trinity. It's very important that we understand this. When the Jehovah Witnesses attack the uh, Trinity, uh, they use arguments that the unlearned may deem factual and they are exposed to various trainings 
that would have you to believe that this doctrine came from pagan sources and that it was uh, fabricated by the early disciples. But note, this doctrine didn't come from paganism. This doctrine can be found in a scripture without violating any uh, hermeneutical uh, standards. We must know the doctrines that's associated with uh, historic Christianity. We must be familiar with this doctrine that we call the Trinity. Again, we must know the components of this doctrine. There's one God who's revealed himself in three persons, but yet we don't have three gods. We have one God, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's a mystery. All three are called gods. All three are co-eternal. All three um, are powerful. All three have uh, functions as it deals with relationship to us as creation. But yet we don't have three gods. We have one God who's revealed himself in three persons. The Athanasian Creed, as I said before, uh, really captures this doctrine. And if you ever have a chance, get a copy of the Athanasian Creed and you can read it in its totality. And one thing about this creed, it mentions uh, the Catholicity of God's church. He used the word Catholic, but this word Catholic uh, should be looked at from not a denominational sense, but in the functional sense. The functional uh, definition of the word Catholic means universal. And as a universal church, uh, all of us that have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior and live by his commandments, we are uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. We are all his children because we are saved and we have been, uh, we have accepted Christ uh, for who he is. We should all know what this doctrine represents and, and uh, what this doctrine means. So if we are studying to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, this will help us in our Christian walk. This will help others who dare to ask us a reason for the hope that lies within us. Then we must be ready, like Titus says, to hold fast to the faithful words that that we've been given and refute those who uh, bring a different doctrine. We must learn to stand firm, stand bold, be a blessing at, uh, at our local churches, but yet make sure that when we hear unsound doctrine that we're able to uh, refute it and to guide them in love that they may uh, walk circumspect to God's word. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to speaking with you again on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. 
Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make or perhaps businesses to build, It's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.